Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip tackles questions such as financial literacy is overrated. Why would a global decrease in income not be a bad thing? What's going on with the global economy? What happens when a currency collapses? Plus, an in-depth interview with distinguished business strategist Larry Kemp. And now, here's Philip. Hey, y'all. I'm back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. And listen, I, you know, I keep saying I have special guests, but this really is a special guest. And this is also a returning guest, Larry Kemp. And so Larry Kemp, has a, has a, he's been an entrepreneur for a big chunk of his life. And t- today's a little bit different, right? Because it's easy to come on the podcast and talk about successes and wins, but it's tough to come and talk about, you know, some of the things that you've learned through some missed swings. And so that's what we're talking about today with um, with Mr. Kemp and a couple other things, but but we're talking about his journey, his story, the next chapter, and what he's doing. You know, I, I believe that this is another launch pad for him to continue into greatness. But but he's going to teach us some things that he learned over the last few years that you know gave him gave him a few more notches in his battle armor. So thanks thanks for coming on the show, uh, Larry. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, man. Thank you, uh, Philip. As I've always told you, man, I really admire you. You're in a small niche of uh, a business where very few people travel managing money. You know, you know a little about myself. I'll just touch on it briefly. Born, been in Fort Worth most of my life. Uh, father had a little rinky-dink uh, cleaning business. I wanted to stay away from it as much as possible because it took too much of my social life away from me as a teenager. In 1998, I went in in full-time We've been blessed enough to be in, been recognized by Harvard and been in Forbes and all these other magazines. That's enough said about that. Um, you know, I, I, I said earlier that money is like a time bomb. It's, you hold it and it's ticking and it can blow up in your face at any time. We all strive to have better lives and these material successes and financial successes. But when you go to that next level, when you go from $100,000 a year to half a million dollars a year, your education in managing money, there's none. When you go from a half a million to two million, you're still on that $100,000 education mm. of financial leaders. My life has been propelled by mistakes over and over. Although I know how to run a business and grow a business, I'll be honest with you, I hated reading a PL. I hated reading. And the things that should have been making me better, I choose to, I choose not to do in some areas. But I would advise in the entrepreneur, budding entrepreneur, person that wants to go into business. The things you don't like doing financially, those are the things you need to do. Mm. I could go to the bank and sell them on my next project to get the financing. And I could sign the papers. But when it came time to go over the go over the PL and go over the profit and loss statement and the balance sheet, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I did, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to sell and grow. And that uh, in the long run cost me. When my uh, family business, we looked out, looked at selling some of it. It was I went through very tense negotiations with virtually people from all over the globe. It's amazing to me today how close I I dealt with people from Brazil, hmm. Norway. <laughs> I did. I mean, I gave all. I gave probably twelve to fifteen presentations. From people from all over the globe, and I realized how close we really are today with technology and, and, and everything like that. But I realized that people at certain levels, they treat money differently. A rich man thinks and makes more money. 
a poor man tries to work and make more money. And the thing about success and growth and financial accumulation is if you're working, you can only work eight to 10 hours a day. Mm. But suppose you can replicate. So I suppose like, okay, I have a janitorial business. I can only clean one building. But, but suppose I have 20 people cleaning 20 buildings. You have to replicate what you're doing to make more money. But along with that replication, you have to have the processes and procedures to replicate it, manage it, run the finances. And once it gets in the storehouse, okay, once it's in the storehouse, what do you do? My belief has always been, I want to pay myself first. Uh, I've always been a big saver. I'm going to, you know, I believe in tithing and all that stuff, but I want to pay me first. Right. Have you ever heard of uh, Reuben Foster? Uh-uh. Ever heard of Reuben? No, sir. Reuben Foster is the financial uh, manager for the stars. Babyface, L.A. Reid, uh, all the people in the music. And several years ago, uh, Usher went to Reuben Foster for financial advice because he had uh, can't, he, he realized that several million dollars were missing. So Reuben Foster, you know, he told Usher before he bring all his uh, financial uh, data and he brought it over in a sack or something. And he looked at it and he gave Usher a, a, a form. To fill out. He said, fill out this form, then come back and talk to me. So first, Usher took a look at the form. And he said, hey, this is an application for McDonald's. And he said, yeah, that's where you're going to be working if you don't t- change your financial habits. Mm. Okay. He said, how many Rolexes do you need? How many Porsches and Rolls Royces do you need? How many homes do you really need that are really livable homes but not investment homes? Okay? So we might not be Usher, but we, you can be Larry Kemp. Most astute financial people live on 30 to 40% of their income. Man, I wish for the last 15 years I lived on 30 40% of mine. I probably live on 101% of my income. You know, I'm not going to point things, but when we have wives, we want to give our family, our children, and our extended family all the pleasures that we never had. But the quandary in that is, if anything happens or you go away, what happens to them? Mm. So it would have been better living on that 30, 40% so you can live them a legacy. You know, um, uh, one thing I admire about your generation, Philip. And I'm going to tell you something about your generation that you don't know. Your generation is the richest, the smartest, most educated group in mankind's history because you have knowledge. That's the number one form of wealth is knowledge. Uh, Per capita, you have more millionaires and billionaires than 50-year-old, 60-year-old Anglo males sitting on at the 50th floor of buildings smoking cigars with Trump. Uh, so your generation has the greatest source of wealth because you you guys can take an app and become a multimillionaire overnight. Hmm. My generation, we have to have people and buildings and money and all these other things that your generation does not have to have. So what I've learned recently during this pandemic and the downsides of businesses and whatever, I've been studying cryptocurrency, especially FollowCoin. My desire is to go to Europe this fall and study uh, cryptocurrency hands on. Hands on. Mm. Also, I'm looking at crowdfunding, looking at uh, putting those different fundings into apartment buildings, real estate, where you can put as little as $500 and buy into a 50-story building. It just depends on where you are financially. That's why when I look at your generation, you have so many avenues 
to make and invest that it didn't exist for my generation. And regardless if you're six years old or 60 years old, you have to take a look at what the opportunities are. Because in, in source funding and crowdfunding, they've already done the, they've already vetted the opportunity. They tell you what the return on investment is. They tell you how much it's going to cost. Why not do it? You know, I don't care if there are ten thousand apartments. It'd be cool to just say I own one. Hmm. So the you know so the opportunities out there today are endless for entrepreneurs, investors, because you don't need to have all this money. You know, you don't. So I'm very much a novice, but and it took me a long time to get my, my arms around money that I can't see. <laughs> but at the same time, people are becoming millionaires and billionaires. And so I thought it was incumbent upon myself to stretch myself and learn other opportunities of creating wealth for my family uh, as I go into the next phase. The next phase for me um, is uh, kind of exciting, although I will. Um, today I don't want to, I don't want to herd 300 employees. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to pay $10,000 a month in, in liability and insurance and say, nobody got hurt this month. Why did I have to pay? I don't want to do that. I want to run an operation where I can sleep at night. <laughs> uh, I don't get those crazy phone calls. I uh, want to look at more passive investments in the crowdfunding cryptocurrency. The cryptocurrency thing, I thought it was crazy. Man, I can't see the money. I want to see my money. I want to count it. But it's not, you know, you just have to be, uh, and don't go with all the hot stuff. Uh, I know two gentlemen downtown in uh, one of the highest bank buildings in Fort Worth. They're killing it in Bitcoin. But I, I never got really sold on Bitcoin. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I would encourage you to listen, listen to a podcast called What Bitcoin Did, right? Okay, be- right. be- because and and this is just my opinion, but I'm but I'm 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 gonna give the foundation. Maybe we can dialogue because I want to see what you think. But okay. the, but the only so Bitcoin was the first, and the only reason why Bitcoin was was um was created was because mm-hmm. of the the Ponzi scheme of money. Meaning basically, the way the world was set up starting 1987 was uh, really central banks have been around for a long time. But it's a, it's a game where it's whoever's closest to the money gets the riches, right? So for example, let's use Let's use Trump and Warren Buffett. In 08, both of them would have went bankrupt if the Fed had not pumped all that money into the system, right? Which, which that 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 doesn't sound like capitalism to me, right? I thought capitalism was if you make a mistake, you fail, right? And mm-hmm. and 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 a new capital, uh, the new shareholders get the company for cheap, but the central bank kept bailing out the financial system over and over and over again since 1987. And that created like a bunch of a bunch of moral hazards. So Bitcoin was created to say, "Hey, listen, we don't want you know twelve you know sixty year old white guys deciding you know that 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 decide the money flows around the world and then creates these inequities. We want to decentralize money, right? Because what the internet first did was it decentralized." communication so so you didn't have three networks spreading propaganda right. out to everybody so now stories come bottom up now they're like we want to attack decentralizing money and so there's there's really no other um, cryptocurrency that I've seen that decentralizes right. money because the other ones still allow the owners of it to still create new coins as they want to which yeah. is the, which is the same thing as central banks right so I'm like okay if if I don't have Bitcoin then the, my other two favorite are the dollar and gold right? Because they're because they're, they're they're stronger. So if I'm not gonna 
you know, if I'm going to buy another coin, then it's going to be like a less version of the dollar because they can create it and they have less history, right? And so right. that's kind of the thought process around, you yeah, know, why right. bit why Bitcoin is worth the most and why people yeah, like it the yeah. most. To me, follow coin was better for a novice like me because I follow the influencers. Mm. Okay, that's what attracted me to follow coin. Uh, I said, hey, you know what? Uh, my birthday is in the fall. Let me go to Europe. I probably uh, probably go to Amsterdam or Switzerland to really sit down and understand this head, head on. I had a relative that had an opportunity to work for Cadre, uh, Josh Kushner and Aaron, uh, Ryan Allen's uh, firm. Mm. And then looking at Cadre, you know, it blew, I mean, I, it, it just blows my mind when a company has nothing but a platform. What is a platform? You don't need a building. All you need is a telephone. You know, like uh, Jack Ma, one of the richest men in the world. He doesn't have a building. Hmm. He has Alibaba. Uh, they, don't, they don't have anything. They just said, if you want a purple elephant, he has people that'll find you a purple elephant. <laughs> they don't have a building. They don't have a staff. They don't. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy. And people today, when I make this statement, they think I'm erroneous, but I know I'm right. Amazon has never made one penny of profit. Did you know that? Yep, I know that. How in the heck can Jeff Bezos be one of the richest men in the world and his company doesn't make money? Because he he, 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 he basically is running a hedge fund. He's running a hedge fund. Oh, at that. Right, right. And so today, there's so many different alternatives. Because people, the normal wording and thought process, especially in our community, I don't pay attention to them because I hustle yourself and die broke. That's what generally is going to happen. You're going to hustle and die broke because you need to be smart enough to think yourself to a decent living. Everybody uh, doesn't want to take the risk, the risk of entrepreneurship, uh, the risk of investments. But at the same time, you know, everybody wants to offer security and comfortability and a bright future for their families. And it goes with planning. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Also, we have to understand, especially entrepreneurs and uh, uh, small family businesses that are trying to go to the next level, that your sister is running the operations. When you go to the next level, your sister might not be the proper person. The job can outgrow you. Uh, I know I'm good at three, four, five hundred employees, but am I going to be that effective fully? At a thousand. Am I? Do I need some help at a thousand? I know financially, personally, uh, our finances, capabilities, I grew the skill set of our entire family. I grew the skill set. And when it outgrows the skill set, what happens is personal desires take over. Mm. And you look at your American Express card bill, I didn't even know you could charge $63,000 on American Express. I didn't know it. And then when you look at it, 70% is personal. Mm. What do you do? So now your PL is screwed, right? Your balance sheet is screwed because of lack of accountability. Everything next level needs to have, I would recommend this to anybody, have an outside source in your business looking at your books, unbiased professional uh, looking at your books because you need someone to call you on your on you i've had a uh in-house cfo type person say mr kim why did you buy a suit with company money 
Now, in my mind, it's my money. Okay? But it's my money or the company's money. And the company, the desires and needs of the company always have to come first. Always. If you're a true entrepreneur, that, that's what it should be. But you know, human nature is going to play a role in how you handle your money. So you need somebody, in my opinion, that you trust and believe in and that has the financial acumen to call you on you. Because if they don't, you're going to look up one day and you might make $2 million and you got $2,000 in the bank. And you're going to figure out why. One of, one of the most amazing things to me, when I'm doing all these presentations to guys all over the globe, whether they send a representative or we did it live or whatever, we'd have this really nice, fancy packet, and I'd watch them flip to the back page. They didn't want to hear about Forbes. They didn't want to hear about us growing. They wanted to try to understand, why is this PNL not quite enough? Mm. They didn't want to hear about nothing. They didn't want to hear about going from three to 300 people. Hey, uh, multiple. They didn't want to hear about it. They wanted to know these numbers. That's the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. The numbers. Mm-hmm. The numbers. Nothing, nothing pretty. I got so exhausted doing the presentations. So what I started doing is that if they don't have a letter of intent and they don't have 10% earnest money and a cashier's check to me, I'm not doing the presentation. Because yep. I was wasting my time. Mm-hmm. I was wasting my time. Because... Selling, selling is different today. You're not selling a company, you're selling cash flow. Right. I realized about halfway through this process that nobody was interested in my company. They were interested in the cash flow we were making a month on each individual contract. And that was the way they chose to pay. This contract has two years at X amount a month. So we're going to pay you this percent for two years or next amount of month. This contract has four and a half years left. Uh, at this percentage, we're going to pay you this percentage. For, it, it, was, it was an eye-opening experience to me on how business is done today. Because they, they okay, because that con- for whatever reason, that contract might cancel in three months. Right. So why am I going to pay you uh, X millions of dollars for your company and it's uh, decreasing 22% in the next six months? So... That was the lesson. I think that the world today, uh, when it comes to money, is focused on the now. It's focused on the now. Because if you can't prove me from cash flow now, we ain't got nothing to talk about. And so what I realized, you, you, can, you can make a, a sales package all glossy and pretty and all these bells and whistles. But man, if you cannot show them the numbers and, and answer the questions on why this cash flow to an outsider is not uh, picture-perfect roses, you need to question your company. Seriously. Mm-hmm. It made me go back and look at what we were doing, more so than what they were looking at. Why does somebody have to have a company car? The perks are great if you own the company, but they ain't worth the jack shit if you're trying to sell it to an investor. Right, right. <laughs> I'm an investor in your business. Philip, I want you to drive a 1962 Honda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you driving a Porsche. I don't. <laughs> okay, am I, is my money going towards the Porsche? It might be all of yours. So we have to be savvy. And to, what I'm learning is bring in outside people to take a snapshot of your business. There's so many different platforms today to make money. Explore all of them. Because when I started listening to, uh, to a, per- a particular person talk about, I'll just be honest, you know who got me interested in FollowCoin? Ipsy Hustle. 
Nipsey Hussle? Okay. That's what got me really interested in Followcoin. He did the most, for me, the most simple breakdown of cryptocurrency in three minutes. In three minutes mm-hmm. than I'd ever seen. I've listened to cryptocurrency a dozen times, read about it, and I didn't really get it. But he did a full-scale uh, Harvard education in three minutes mm-hmm. for, you, for a person, for a layperson to understand. So the funding sources to buy real estate are amazing now. Cryptocurrency is, is an amazing uh, platform. Looking at establishing a platform for investment or sourcing. Uh, I just think they're uh, the wave of the future. I absolutely agree. That, that technology is going to change the world, right? So, and, th- and that's why you see me going on record talking about Bitcoin so much. I'm, you know, because I, I did a real deep dive into it and my economic mm-hmm. background helped a lot. And I keep telling people that they get the track. I'm like, listen, do your research, do what you're going to do. But if you're going to, if you're going to make a bet, just my two cents is, make the majority around your bet on it on Bitcoin, then play with everything else because everything else is an imitation of the central bank. And that's a dying investment, right? But you know what, Philip, what I would, uh, another thing that I'd offer out uh, to the listeners and to the public is be careful about these people that, that call themselves coaches. <laughs> uh, if you ain't never played the game, how can you tell me? If you ain't never made a million dollars, how can you tell me how to make a million yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, a uh, million dollars is this this figure, this magical, mythical figure that people throw around. I made a million dollars a lot of times, a lot of years. I need to be kicked in the butt because I am kept it. Right. Um, so making it is no big deal. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm 63. I want to learn more about cryptocurrency and crowd. But if you ain't never done it, how can you teach me? It it galls me. Uh, I want to call in the SEC, FBI, NCAA to, to look at these people because I believe that they're selling false knowledge that they don't have. It's a lot you know, of them. Um, a lot of you them can't, doing it. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying it's a lot of them out there doing it. I was co-signing. If someone came to me and said, hey, I'm going to get this coach, yada, yada, yada. And the first thing I would tell them to do would be ask them for their um, certified tax returns. Okay, I want to see the tax returns. I'm like Jay Z. Show me your tax return. <laughs> because Jay Z said, "Show me your tax return." But to see mine, you got to pay me. But show me your tax return to see if you're real. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like. I mean, maybe it might not be, but you can't take me where you ain't never been. Right now, you have a strategy. You have certain investors, so I'm willing to go over to your house and sit down with you for you to teach me, show me, and learn. But you ain't never. If you don't even know anything about Bitcoin, I mean. I think there's this there's this thing that everybody wants to take this quick road, this quick uh, destination to success and wealth. It, it, it don't exist. Like I tell people, we've been business 47 years, so we're overnight success. 47 years, yeah. Um, and even at the point of having to pivot, I realized in the last three months, I don't. Someone said talk about changing your lifestyle being broke ain't that bad it just ain't no fun that's all hmm. it's just not fun <laughs> but you you there's always a next right. you have to r- figure out where you are today and what's your next uh man my next i'm excited about my next i mean i'm still at the same place i look to be more liquid in the next 
three to four months than I've ever been in my life. Seriously. Mm. Some things you want to hang on to, you really need to get rid of. But we hang on to businesses and investments and situations and friendships that cost you. I've been a, a central bank. Uh, didn't charge no interest. If I were to charge interest and the flow pays, man, I would be set for the rest of the year. I wouldn't even have to work. <laughs> but uh, I realized that I had to change almost everything I do financially. Uh, this pandemic has has made me value a dollar in a way I never had before. So everything that goes on, you know, we don't grow, learn, or make changes until we're stressed. And uh, due to a situation out of my control, all my assets were frozen. It wasn't to do with the IRS. Um, all my assets were frozen back in February, every nickel. And I'm like, wait a minute. And uh, it it caused me to pivot 720 degrees. I didn't know how creative a person could be. And then there's doors that open up if you have a certain skill set. That's why people, when I see people selling false goods, you're an expert. You're an expert in what? <laughs> you know, you, you become an expert at 10,000 hours. That's what that's what the judge is. You Thanks. know, um, I've been cleaning buildings since I was 12 years old. I'm 63. I'm pretty sure I got my 10,000 hours. If you're an executive coach, what have you done? I want to see, first of all, I want to see your client list on who you created a millionaire. Just because you talk to me, don't mean this person and they still got a full-time job and they got this on the side. You ain't created nothing. Hey, pre, pre, hey Larry, I'll be, I be on Facebook debating people who made money in 2017 when the stock market went up for anything. In 2017, you could have bought anything and it went you know up what? and, the, and, you know and they make money and they create a course and everybody you know buys what? their course. <laughs> I want to see their tax returns. Yep. I want to see the tax return. If you tell... I, uh, I saw someone's website that I kind of sort of know, and they said they had helped somebody make it was up in up was twenty million dollars, and this person don't even have a car. And I said, if I helped somebody make twenty million dollars, I could I would at least made two. <laughs> <laughs> I would at least made two because I would have saw what I don't care if I had no experience in it. I figure if I brought something to the table for them to make twenty. My commission should have been at least two. But that's what troubles me uh, about because nobody wants to do the work. Larry Kemp's done the work, okay, and he's done this for 47 years. Well, maybe I can get under him. And they're not going to – let me tell you something I learned about coaching. Over the last 20 years, I have been approached by, golly, five, six, seven hundred people or more going into the janitorial business. And I've sat down with them and I wasted my time. And I will say I wasted my time talking to these people. And out of those hundred or thousand, only two did what I asked them to do. Mm. Only two. If you call me today and you think you're going to waste my time, I got an invoice for you. Because <laughs> I'm not doing Because people don't want to do the work. That's pretty simple. None of this is free. This cost. And nobody want, wants to pay the cost to do this. Nobody wants to educate themselves on cryptocurrency. Nobody wants to educate themselves on crowdfunding. You look at a, a Josh Kushner and you say, oh, he's rich because his daddy rich. No, no, no. The man created something new. It never existed. You know, he created a whole new knowledge base on investing. I don't know if you're like me. You're, you're probably a little different 
uh, Philip, because you're younger. But when I see a new platform come out, I'm always skeptical. This has never been around before. And I ask a lot of questions and I look into it. And then you watch these guys fly all over the world and get hundreds of millions of dollars from multi-billionaires. And you say, God, they got to be doing something right. They have to be. So, again, I applaud your generation of thinkers because you guys, ain't, you're not going to get a, a little office and work uh, to the day you die. No, you're going to try to spread your knowledge and wealth so you can replicate and multiply and make more money. So I applaud you guys. Well, I, well, I, I definitely appreciate you you sharing. Let everybody know, you know, what where they can reach you if they want to okay. get an invoice, if they want to get an invoice uh, and get some of that knowledge. <laughs> uh, also, I, I, I have a book on Amazon. You can get it. It's called The Secrets of Success There Are None. That's back to those coaches who want to charge and they want to be a mentor and have never done it and never saw what is, uh, I've never seen a million dollar check. I've seen six figures. I've seen, I've seen a $450,000 check and it went like water. I've seen that, but you want to get in touch with me. I'm on Facebook at Larry Kemp. I'm also on Instagram at I am Larry Kemp. And I try to post educational informational stuff that we too are part of the success equation. And uh, I want everybody to know it. So go get theirs. Well, well, I appreciate your knowledge and thanks for sharing. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And uh, yeah, um, for real, thanks for coming on and sharing. Okay, you take care. God bless you. All right, God bless you. Take care. All righty. First question. Financial literacy is overrated. And I know, I know some of you smarty pants might say this is not really a question. This is a statement. But yeah, it's, it's, it's how I feel. And here's what I mean. So the internet has given us an explosion of information. There's tons of YouTube videos, podcasts, lots of books, blog posts, everything you need to get educated around money. And even people that have read the books, watched the blogs, done everything, they still don't make uh, the best decisions. Now, I do agree part of it is like analysis paralysis. There's so much information. Not all of it is good. Matter of fact, most of it isn't good. So how do you how do you sort through it? But the other part is, is it gets down to just just like action is what's more important. Let, let me let me give an example because most people really don't they don't want the full education. They just want to get the results. So I'll give you a specific example of uh, getting healthy. Right when you when you go to your uh, person who's going to help you hit a a weight goal up or down weight goal, your main thing is the goal. You don't really want to go into all the details of carbohydrates and how they work and proteins. You know, maybe there's a few nerds who who want to know, but you're just like, listen, tell me what to eat and tell me what workouts to do and give me a realistic path to do it and let me go do it. That's the majority of people because the person who you're trusting has the education and 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 you just want the results right and so you can get a baseline of education to know if the person is screwing you over or not right look at look at four or five different things and four or five different experts that are well respected and see if see where they all agree right and then and then if this person is saying things that they agree in agree with or that's not too crazy then then you know you're probably in the right in the, in the right spot but trying to trying to over-educate yourself is next to impossible when it comes to getting in good health. And 
getting good finances because you have to know too much. Like you, if you say, "Hey, I want to know just as much as the people, the experts," well, that's ten thousand hours, right? That's a lot of hours. And even when you have it, I, the the other part of it, I know a lot of experts who know it who have bad financial habits because they don't they don't have the accountability around them to to take action. And so what's so financial literacy is overrated because all the information is out there. What's more important is getting yourself to take action, right? So so let me let me break it down even further. I'm gonna give you what to do. The simple thing is don't spend more money than what you make. Put away ten to twenty percent of 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 what you of what you make and let's say after taxes. Then build a, a long term investment plan that is well diversified, spread out, right? Lots of more than you know, lots of stocks, maybe a few bonds in there. If you want to be real diversified, commodities, metals, right? If you if you want to super simplify, I, I mentioned before, if if you don't want to get an advisor, get a target date a retirement fund, which is going to build a portfolio for you, and and if you just save ten twenty percent of your income and you put your money into a target date fund, targeted for your retirement goal, and you stick with that. You will you will have more money than most people by the time you get to retirement. Like I would bet on you. Like I'm not just saying this is this sounds super simple, but but trust me, it's like the trainer that says, "Yeah, okay, um, take in less calories than what you or, or exercise. You know, burn more calories than what you eat every single day." And what that means is you need to work out 30 minutes to an hour a day and. Watch what you eat. Watch the carbs and sugars, right? And it's really that simple, right? If you just track it and do that and do it over years, right, your health will be great. And if you don't, it won't. And it's really that simple. And so, yeah, financial literacy is overrated. Next question. Why would a global decrease in income not be a bad thing? So so this actually is a very, very deep question. Very deep question. Because let me give you the context of history, right? So a, a, a lot of people um, have noticed that something like the bottom 60% of Americans' incomes really haven't changed for 30 years. And at the same time, you've had the price of technology, or, or you had technology drop, drop the price of a lot of different things, right? For example, cell phones, right? The phones that we have used to cost thousands of dollars. The TVs that we had cost lots of money. Like all of the tech has come down in price. But the cost of living has gone up because of money printing, right? Money printing pushed up the, the a, a bigger part of our lifestyle, which is energy and, and 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 real estate, right? Which is the homes that we live in, and and that kind of trickles through on on the commercial side. Uh, and I won't go too nerd on that, but without the money printing, what you what you would have had is. A, a decrease in overall lifestyle, so real estate would not have ran up as much. It would have it would have gone down. Technology was already pushing prices down of a lot of different things, and and so the the incomes that really hadn't moved would have allowed most most Americans to have a better quality of life because the cost of living is lower, right? So let's let's let's, let's say it a different way. If uh, imagine that thirty years ago you made fifty grand a year and the cost of living to you know, to live a comfortable lifestyle at that point in time was forty five thousand a year, and over that thirty years, with deflation and technology pushing pushing down the price of of uh, of the cost of living, you still made fifty, but it only cost you thirty thousand dollars to live because of the technological advances 
then that means you have fifteen thousand more dollars, even though your your like your income you made really, really had not changed, right? And that's the that that would have been a natural order of how things would play out without intervention of central banks and money printing to push up asset prices. And 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 what that caused is the reason why you see the big gap, the big the big wealth gap between the have and the have nots is the only people who participated in income increases. Over that period of time, with people that had assets and people working on the tech, because they got paid more because the tech was changing the world, and that and that created a like a huge explosion of a, of a, of a wealth gap. If you didn't have assets, where you couldn't participate in real estate going up or stocks going up or any of those things, and so that 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 really sucked. And so, uh, a decrease in income would not be a bad thing without central bank intervention. Deflation. Is not necessarily a bad thing. Governments just hate it because it they like inflation because inflation allows them to pay off their debt um, back with dollars that are worth less, right? Which is a whole deal. But just know deflation is not necessarily bad. Governments hate it because they have so much debt. And I might go into that into a, another episode. Next question, Philip. What's going on with the global economy? Here's a simple analogy for for what's going on without. So I don't have to go super nerd on you. Basically, imagine, you know, imagine it's a person and they start off with some skills and they get paid for those skills. And then the banks come and they say, hey, listen, you're you're increasing your skills. We know you're going to grow your income. We're going to loan you some money. And then after a time, the person gets better. They start borrowing money. And there becomes a point where the person might borrow too money to where their income will no longer, their future income can no longer pay all the debt service than they have back. And so they begin to um, reduce productivity. They can't invest as much because they're paying more to, to loans and bank debt. And at some point, they're going to have to do file bankruptcy, which means, you know, paying back some debt, forgiving some debt, restructuring some debt. But it's just, it's not a good situation to, uh, to be in, and so that's where we are as a global financial system right now. We're we're in the stage where we are running into bankruptcy, and to 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 pad over problems, we're still borrowing money and creating you know new money, which an individual can't do, but governments can to to pad the problem. And so those have consequences like that. Like that's a fact. Like you can't forget about what's going on right now. People say, "Oh, but the stock market's going up. That means things are better." No, that just means they're printing money <laughs> and it's going to the system. It doesn't mean the problem went away. And so when you're looking at everything, you you know, you, you want to make investment decisions with the whole big picture in mind, right? So so sure, over the next couple of years, we can make some investments and and make some money. But the investments that you make in a system where the system is on the verge of bankruptcy are different, and that's important to understand, important to know. People might say, well, hey, what are what are those investments, right? It's investments in companies and asset classes that will do well through a bankruptcy. So strong balance sheets, the companies that are eating old companies, companies that are prepared for the new world, asset classes that do well in a, in a in a bankrupt financial system. And so that tends to, if you look at, and by the way, the global financial system goes to this quote-unquote bankruptcy every 50 or so years. Um, and so what, you know, what does well there, gold has historically done well. We have a new uh, technology 
talked about it on on the podcast, and I talked about it multiple podcasts before. Cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, is is what I think is the is the, in, in my two cents, not an investment recommendation, but my two cents for the better cryptocurrency asset class to be positioned for the, the bankruptcy. But that's 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 what's going on in the global financial system. What happens when a currency collapses? And this is kind of a a follow up of the last question, right? Because if you look at any country that has currency collapses, you know, I, I might be getting it wrong, but Iraq, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, Germany back in the day, it just same thing almost always happens, right? You have a, a big wealth gap that happens, the, the rise of inequality. You have riots from the people who are upset about that. You have government money printing to appease the people. You have populist leaders from the left and the right uh, that come that come about, and and people might say, "Oh, Philip, it sounds like you're describing the U.S. right now, right?" <laughs> you know, but this is happening all over the world right now because of what I mentioned before: the globe going through a global bankruptcy. And so, you know, am I saying the dollar is going to collapse and go to zero? No, I can't make that prediction. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, the the monetary system is is on the verge of breaking down. And when it breaks down, something new is built, right? So in 1945, the global financial system was basically broken down and then rebuilt. So it can be, it can, it's going to, it's, it's almost always a volatile transfer to a new system, but it doesn't mean like the dollar has to go to zero. The pound didn't go to zero last time, but it also means the dollar can go to zero. Like you don't really know. The point is to just recognize what's going on. And again, in other episode. When I'm explaining this, I'm saying I'm not a doomsdayer, right? I think humans are great at fixing these problems over time, but you can't ignore the pain in the in the transition period, and you need to position yourself from a business standpoint, which is like how you're making money day to day. Position yourself from a personal balance sheet standpoint, meaning not getting paying down your debt, not acquiring new debt, keeping good amounts of cash from an investment standpoint, making sure your portfolio is positioned appropriately for that type of an environment, right? What it also means is, and from an investment standpoint, there's people that in this period of time that will likely, if they're, if they're playing in the asset classes that are, that you don't want to play in the type of an environment, they may, they may make more money than you over a period of time because you're being prudent and you're being smart. And almost always at the end of these, these transition periods, the the biggest believers, right? I, I call it the people that are willing to go out on thinner ice, right? So so imagine like there's a lake that's iced over, you know, the the thinnest ice is out in the middle, right? Where it's the most dangerous. And if you're saying, listen, I know it's iced over, I'm gonna stay over here on the shallow end, right? P- some people are willing to go further out and and quote unquote have a better time, right? But when the ice breaks, <laughs> it's gonna be pain. They they're furthest from the shore, and so. Think about that from an investment standpoint. It's it's a reason why you see the people that have been making money, lots of money for decades, play the game, but play it conservatively. And then you have a whole lot of folks that don't that like overnight became internet <laughs> like like Larry was talking about. They're they're overnight coaches, overnight experts, but don't have ten thousand hours, and they're the most bullish, right? Bullish meaning they they are taking the most risk. And think they're going to make the most money and talking the most smack on the internet. So that that all that all, that go to you know look at any bubble period like that happens over and over again. The reason why people make the same mistakes, people just don't read history, right? The cool part about the internet age is out there. Like if you want to 
see it. It's out there. You got to just go read it. But the same thing happens over and over and over again. And I just want folks to be smart, be wise. So those are the questions of the week. This is the 4th of July weekend. So I hope everybody has a good, good barbecue, whether it's you know, whether you're a vegan or you actually eat meat, we'll be eating lots of pork ribs over the weekend. My father-in-law makes some great pork ribs. I will also be working out to work all that stuff off. I think this is a weekend where I might, I got, I got to talk to my wife, I might try to boil some, some crab. You know, my father-in-law barbecues so well and my brother-in-law does the chicken so well. My wife cooks so well that I'm like, I don't have any word of... To, to get in, so I'm going to go to my Louisiana roots and start doing the crawfish boil and the crab boils and, and find my little spot in the family, so we'll see. But enjoy y'all's weekend, and talk to you next Friday. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.